This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. I am so glad each Christmas Eve, the night of Jesus' birth. And like the sun, the stars shone forth, and angels sang on earth. The little child in Bethlehem, he was a king indeed, for he came down from heaven above to help a world in need. He dwelt Again in heaven's realm, the Son of God today, and still he loves his little ones and hears them when they pray. I am so glad each Christmas Eve his praises then I sing. He opens now. For every child, the palace of the king. And so I love each Christmas Eve, and I love Jesus too. And that he loves me every day, I know too well is true. Descend to us, we pray. 
this welcome to worship this afternoon and evening for our candlelight Christmas service, Eve service. I want to uh, share it again. This is the Christ candle that we would light along with the other four candles, and it's a light that declares that he is here among us now. Thanks be to God. I'm kind of excited about this worship today because probably we'll be celebrating a little bit more like what the original Christmas was like. There won't be any white snow out there. There won't be a white Christmas. It'll be what baby Jesus when it happened in his day. So it's not all bad in the fact that most people in the world celebrate it without Christmas also or without white stone. Well, welcome to worship, good neighbors. You're listening to a Neighbors United in Christ Parish Worship Service sponsored by the Lutheran Churches of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity. My name is Lauren Tague, and again, thanks to Jim and Debbie, Jim Haugerud and Debbie Tague, our musicians, and to Isaac Christensen, our recording engineer. You are able to join us by NUIC podcast at 8 a.m. each Sunday morning on WPCA Radio 93.1 FM and its live internet stream on www.wpcaradio.org. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715-268-9577. By mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Emory, Wisconsin, and through our website at www.nuicparish.org. Today we want to thank uh, Tom and Lori Overby uh, giving and sponsoring this program in memory of Joyce Anderson. We also want to thank WPCA Radio for this special broadcast this evening. You see, because the church is anywhere people gather in Jesus' name. Even when we're not together in a church building or at a manger scene or somewhere else, it's wherever we are, Jesus is present and the church is active. Today's going to be a little more informal in our worship. I'd like to just have the call to worship and then we'll turn it back over to Jim and Deb to share some songs and some thoughts and memories of Christmases from their experiences. We come to the manger with joy and wonder. Jesus is born, this tiny, fragile baby. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace to all God's beloved creation. God comes to us as a tiny child upon this holy night. God comes to us, the word made flesh, to bring us the light. God comes to us in a stable stall, a poor and humble birth. God comes to us, the promised one, to bring peace to the earth. God comes to us, and angels sing to shepherds in the field. God comes to us in Jesus Christ, God's mystery revealed. With Mary, Joseph, angels, shepherds kneeling down before him, we shout for joy this Christmas night. Oh, come, let us adore him. Join the triumph of the sky. 
tonight I'd like to share a little Christmas poem by Maureen. The gifts I'd leave beneath your tree aren't those that you can touch or see, not wrapped in Christmas tissue gay, but gifts to bless you every day. The gift of friendship, warm and true, is one that I would leave for you. Good health and happiness and cheer to keep you smiling through the year. The gift of peace that comes from God, with prayer to guide each path you trod. And when your heart has lost its song, the gift of hope to cheer you on. These are the gifts I leave for you. As the holiday seasons roll around, I can't help but to think back my days as, uh, when I was growing up a young kid. And... I went to a country school, and we had, there were, in my mind, there were two main events of the whole school year. The one I liked the best was the last day of school, because we had a big picnic, and the parents all came, and we had a ball game, and, and uh, the, the grown-ups played the kids, and so on and so forth. But the other, the other big event was our Christmas program. That was not just a school thing, it was a community thing, and our communities were kind of defined by our school boundaries. Now I went to a school called Wagon Landing. And neighboring schools were Lakeside, Little Falls, High Bridge, Pine Lake, Pleasant View. 
And that was kind of what our communities were defined by. And when we had our Christmas program, that was a big deal. And the, the school was always full. And it wasn't just the parents that came. It was everybody in that community from the older folks that didn't have any kids anymore to even all the bachelor farmers were there. And we, we had worked hard on those programs, and we kind of enjoyed doing it. Probably we enjoyed working on the, um, you know, practicing and stuff because it got us out of away from arithmetic and history and stuff like that. But um, it, it went off always. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. And at the end, Santa Claus showed up. We got our bag of candy and our big red apple that we were so happy to get, some of the simple things like that. But I was thinking about the gifts. In the school, we always made a gift for somebody, usually our parents. And I think the teachers probably footed the bill out of their own pocketbooks for the materials that we had to make these gifts. I remember one in particular I made for my grandma. It was a serving tray. And we bought, it was just a flat piece of metal cut in a, in a, in a circle, very soft metal. We bent the, bent the edges up to make a tray out of it. And it was coated with some kind of a yellow, it, it was yellow, and then um, we would trace an animal or something, a design on it. I traced a rooster on it. And then we would use something to, that would eat through that coating so you had your rooster showing whatever we used. I imagine it's as illegal as the Dickens today, but a lot of things were. But I remember that tray, I gave it to my grandma uh, she gave it back to me. I mean, I got it after she passed away. I still have that. And I think about those gifts. We still have a lot of gifts that we got from our own kids. Now, that, that tray I made for Grandma was 60-some years ago. 30-some and 40-some years ago, our kids were giving us, making us gifts, mm -hmm. and we still have them. And, you know, you can go to town and you can buy the most expensive gift there is. None of them are as precious as those gifts that we got from our kids and... and uh, Things have changed a little bit now. It's you just shop online or you go to town. It seems like money doesn't seem to be an object. I, I think the gifts that we made had quite a meaning to them and still do. So that's kind of my memories, Debbie, or part of them anyway. So, right. uh, yeah. But I came across a story the other day, and this is something that happened over a hundred years ago. And a, it was a farm boy who wanted a wanted a twenty-two for Christmas, and he didn't think he was going to get it. And here's the way he tells that story. Pa never had much compassion for the lazy or for those who squandered their means and never had enough for necessities. But for those who were genuinely in need, his heart was as big as the all outdoors. It was from him that I learned the greatest joy in life comes from giving, not receiving. It was Christmas Eve. I was 15 years old and feeling like the world had caved in on me because there just hadn't been enough money to buy that 22 that I had wanted so badly for Christmas. We did the chores early that night for some reason. I just figured Pa wanted a little extra time so he could read the Bible. After supper was over, I took off my boots and stretched out in front of the fireplace, waiting for Pa to get down the old Bible. I was still feeling sorry for myself, and to be honest, I wasn't in much of a mood to read scriptures. But Pa didn't get the Bible. Instead, he bundled up again and went outside. I couldn't figure it out because we had already done all the chores. I didn't worry about it long, though. I was too busy wallowing in my self-pity. Soon, Pa came back in. It was a cold, clear night out, and there was ice on his beard. 
Come on, Matt, he said. Bundle up. It's, it's cold out there tonight. <laughs> I was really upset then. Not only was I not getting the rifle for Christmas, but now Paul was dragging me out in the cold and for no earthly reason that I could see. We had already done all the chores, and I couldn't think of anything else that needed doing, especially not on a cold night like this. But I knew Pa was not very patient at dragging one's feet when he had told them to do something, so I got up, put my boots on, got my cap, coat, and mittens. Ma gave me a mysterious smile as I opened up the door to leave the house. Something was up, but I sure didn't know what. Outside, I became even more dismayed. There in front of the house was the work team, already hitched up to the big sled. Whatever it was going to do, whatever we were going to do, it wasn't going to be short or quick, I could tell that. We never hitched up the sled unless we were going to haul a big load. Pa was up on the seat, reins in hand. I reluctantly climbed up beside him. The cold was already biting me, and I wasn't very happy. When I was on, Pa pulled the sled around the side of the house and stopped in front of the woodshed. He got off, and I followed. I think we'll put on the high, high sideboards, he said. Here, give me a hand. The high sideboards. It had been a bigger job than I wanted to do just with the low sideboards on. But whatever it was we were going to do, it would be a lot bigger with the high sideboards on. After we exchanged them, Paul went to the woodshed and came out with an armload of wood. The wood that I had spent all summer hauling down from the woods and all fall sawing into blocks and splitting. Now what was he doing? Finally, I said something. Pa, I said, what are you doing? You been by the Widow Jensen's lately, he asked. The Widow Jensen was a lady that lived about two miles down the road. Her husband had died a year or so before and left her with three children, the oldest one being only eight years old. Sure, I've been by, but so what? Well, I rode by just today, Pa said. Little Jakey was out digging around in the wood pile trying to find a few wood chips. They're out of wood, Matt. That was all he said. Then he turned and went back into the shed for another load of wood. I followed him. We loaded the sled so high that I began to wonder if the horses would be able to pull it. Finally, Pa called a halt to our loading, and he went to the smokehouse where he took down a big ham and a side of bacon. He handed them to me and told me to put them in the sled and wait. When he returned, he was carrying a sack of flour over his right shoulder and a smaller sack of something in his left hand. What's in that little sack, I asked. Shoes. They're out of shoes. Little Jakey had gunny sacks wrapped around his feet when he was out in the wood pile this morning. I got the children a little candy, too. It just wouldn't be Christmas without a little candy. We rode the two miles to Widow Jensen's pretty much in silence. I tried to think, you know, through what Pa was doing. We didn't have much by worldly standards. We did have a big wood pile. The most of, most of what was left now was still in the form of logs that I would have to saw into blocks and split it before we could use it. We also had meat and flour, so we could spare that. But I know we didn't have any money, so why was Pa buying them shoes and candy? Really, why was he doing any of this? Widow Jensen had closer neighbors to us. It shouldn't have been our concern. We came in from the blind side of the Jensen house, unloaded the wood as quietly as possible, and took the meat and flour and shoes around to the front door. We knocked, the door opened a crack, and a timid voice said, Who is it? 
Lucas Miles, ma'am, and my son Matt, can we come in for a bit? Widow Jensen opened the door and let us in. She had a blanket wrapped around her shoulders. The children were wrapped in another and were sitting in front of the fireplace by a very small fire that hardly gave off any heat at all. Widow Jensen fumbled with a match and finally lit the lamp. We brought you a few things, ma'am, Pa said, and sat down the sack of flour. I put the meat on the table. Then Pa handed her the sack that had the shoes in it. She opened it hesitantly and took the shoes out one pair at a time. There was a pair for her and one for each of the children. Sturdy shoes, the best shoes that would last a long time. I watched her carefully. She bit her lower lip from trembling. And then she filled her, her eyes filled with tears and started running down her cheeks. She looked up at Pa and wanted to say something, but it wouldn't come out. We brought a load of wood too, ma'am, Pa said, and he turned to me and said, Matt, go bring in enough to last a while. Let's get the fire up to size here and heat this place up. I wasn't the same person when I went back out to bring in the wood. I had a big lump in my throat, and as much as I hate to admit it, there were tears in my eyes too. In my mind, I kept seeing those three kids huddled around the fireplace, and their mother standing there with tears running down her cheeks, with so much gratitude in her heart that she couldn't speak. My heart swelled up within me, and the joy that I had never known before filled my soul. I had given at Christmas times many times before, but never when it had made so much of a difference as it did tonight. I could see we were literally saving the lives of these people. I soon had a fire blazing and everyone's spirits soared. The kids started giggling when Pa handed them each a piece of candy, and Widow Jensen looked on with a smile that probably hadn't crossed her face in a very long time. She finally turned to us. God bless you, she said. I know the Lord has sent you. The children and I have been praying that he would send one of his angels to spare us. In spite of myself, the lump returned to my throat and the tears welled up in my eyes again. I never thought of Pa in those exact terms before, but after Widow Jensen mentioned it, I could see that it was probably true. I was sure that a better man than Pa had never walked the earth. I started remembering all the times he had gone out of his way for Ma and me and many others. It seemed endless as I thought of it. Pa insisted that everyone try on the shoes before we left. I was amazed when they all fit, wondered how he had known what sizes to get. Then I guessed that he was on an errand for the Lord, the Lord would make him get the right sizes. Tears were running down Widow Jensen's face again when, she stood up to leave, when we stood up to leave. Pa took each one of the kids in his big arms and gave them a hug. They clung to him and didn't want to let go. I could see that they missed their Pa, and I was glad that I still had mine. At the door, Pa turned to Widow Jensen and said, The missus wanted me to invite you and the children over for Christmas dinner tomorrow. The turkey will be more than the three of us can eat, and you know a man can get pretty cantankerous if he has to eat turkey for too many meals. We'll be here by we'll by, be here about eleven. Pick you up. It'll be nice to have some little ones around again, Matt, because you know you haven't been little for quite a spy for quite a while. Widow Jensen nodded and said, "Thank you, Brother Miles. May the Lord bless you. I know for certain that He will." Out in the sled. I felt the warmth that came from deep within, and I didn't even notice the cold. When we had gone a ways, Pa turned to me and said, Matt, I want you to know something. 
Your ma and me have been tucking a little money away here and there all year so we could buy that rifle for you, but we didn't have enough. Then yesterday, a man who owed me a little money from years back came by to make things square. Your ma and me were real excited, thinking that now we could get you that rifle. So I started to town this morning to go get it. But on the way, I saw little Jake out scratching in the woodpile with his feet wrapped in those gunny sacks, and I knew what I had to do. Son, I spent the money for shoes and candy for those little children. I hope you understand. I understood, and my eyes became wet with tears again. I understood very well, and I was so glad Pa had done it. Now, the rifle seemed very low on my list of priorities. Pa had given me a lot more. He had given me the look on Widow Jensen's face and the radiant smiles of her three children. For the rest of my life, whenever I saw any of the Jensen's or split a block of wood, I remembered and remembering brought back the same joy I felt riding home besides Pa that night. Pa had given me much more than a rifle that night. He had given me the best Christmas of my life. care. 
While shepherds watch their flocks by night, they saw a bright new shining star. They heard a choir sing through the night. The music came from afar. Hark now, hear the angels sing, new king born today, and man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Now Joseph and his wife Mary came to Bethlehem that night and found no place to bear her child. Not a single room was inside. By and by, they found a little nook in a stable all forlorn. And in that stable, cold and dark, Mary's little boy child was born. Hark now, hear the angels sing. New Because of Christmas Day Trumpets sound and angels sing Listen to what they say That men shall live forevermore Because of Christmas I'm reading the Holy Gospel according to Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 20. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds, shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. 
So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what they had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Said the night wind to the little lamb, Do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb, Do you see what I see? A star, a star, Dancing in the night With a tail as big as a kite, With a tail as Again, we move forward with what does Christmas mean to us today? In my years of living, I think I've known the Christmas story since I was a wee little kid. Never thought much about it in terms of some significant pieces that come with it. And this year again, I'm reminded of some images that I've always had a a nice picture of Christmas, a warm picture. Somehow the stable was clean, there was no smell, it was a beautiful picture, light shone in, and the baby Jesus was there, and uh, it, just everything seemed great. But then this year, some troubling pictures come to mind. 
in Bethlehem, one of the pastors, their manger scene was a little bit different than what we've seen. They put a baby Jesus, if you will, a, a doll, in a bunch of rubble, showing that Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the midst of war, in the midst of troubled times. There was an occupying force in Jerusalem and Bethlehem. They were not a free people. They were struggling. It was not a rich place that they were in. It was a hard place, sojourners. Have we always seen Christmas the way it's supposed to be seen? Or do we like to sanitize it and make it something that maybe it isn't it's not that some of these things are bad it's just that sometimes they get in the way <laughs> my wife and i had a party with a family and uh one of the kids as debbie was putting together uh the manger scene at the place we were going to have the celebration and he said what is, i'd be glad to help but what are, what i don't know what this means Somehow in the midst of all this, he had never heard the story of God slipping into human form and living amongst us, and that Christmas somehow was important. And then later we were, had got going with some singing and stuff, and then as we uh, were going to share the uh, Christmas story that you heard from Luke, which they've done every year, Santa Claus all of a sudden showed up and that ruined anything that was going to go on as far as listening to a story, the Christmas story. So it didn't get read. It kind of left me a little bit angry and very much empty because that was a time where the story really need to be, needed to be told and it didn't happen. But maybe some of the times that's why this song is so cool to me is, do you see what I see? Now maybe we need to say, do we see the way the world sees? Or how do we look at this Christmas Eve at the birth of Christ? Gerhard Frost has an interesting way of looking at it when he says, if you live creatively, look again at what God has placed before you. But you have never fully seen a place, a situation, an idea, a person, a face, especially the face of one you love or hate, of one you take for granted or ignore, or one prejudiced or prejudged and now avoided. There never was a human face that wasn't worth another look. Maybe that's what we need to do when we look at Christmas. Take another look. See how Christ entered into our world and what that means for us and for others. Another look happened with a story from, a story from the heart and it was written by Bobby G. And let me just share real quickly. As a young man, L was a skilled artist, a potter. He had a wife and two fine sons. One night, his oldest son developed a severe stomach ache. 
thinking it was only some common intestinal disorder, neither Al nor his wife took the condition very seriously. But the malady had actually, was actually acute appendicitis and the boy died suddenly that night. Knowing the death could have been prevented if he had only realized the seriousness of the situation, El's emotional health deteriorated under the enormous burden of his guilt. To make matters worse, his wife left him a short time later, leaving him alone with his six-year-old son, younger son. The hurt and the pain of the two situations were more than El could handle, and he turned to alcohol to help him cope. In time, El became an alcoholic. As the alcoholism progressed, El began to lose everything he possessed, his home, his land, his art, objects, everything. Eventually, El died alone in a San Francisco motel room. When I heard of El's death, I reacted with the same disdain the world shows for one who ends up his life with nothing material to show for it. What a complete failure, I thought. What a totally wasted life. As time went by, I began to reevaluate my earlier harsh judgment. You see, I knew El's now adult son, Ernie. He was one of the kindest, most caring, most loving persons I have ever known. I watched Ernie with his children and saw the free flow of love between them. I knew what kindness and that kindness and caring had to come from somewhere. I hadn't heard Ernie talk very much about his father. It was so hard to defend an alcoholic. One day I worked up the courage to ask him. I'm really puzzled by something, I said. I know your father was basically the one to raise you. What on earth did he do that you became such a special person? Ernie sat quietly, reflected for a few moments, and he said, from my earliest memories as a child until I left home at 18, El came into my room every night, gave me a kiss, and said, I love you, son. Tears came down my eyes as I realized what a fool I had been to judge El as a failure. He had not left any material possessions behind but he had been a kind, loving father, and he left behind one of the finest, most giving men I have ever known. We need to take another look, don't we? St. Francis Assisti. Rich family, gave it all up, and lived in poverty. And it was that poverty, that was what most people looked at him and couldn't understand. But as time went on, we began to understand what a marvelous person he was and how he cared for everything that he came in contact with. We need to be careful how we judge other folks, how we look at them, how we hear stories about them. And even like there, do we hear the promise of, son, I love you. At Christmas time, does Santa Claus get in the way? Does giving of gifts get in the way? Or do we hear what we're supposed to hear? God loves us. Do you know what I know? The Christ, not the religion, because we of the church have failed it many times in presenting Christ in a meaningful way. We sometimes have talked more than we have lived. We have been harsh in our judgments. Our tent has become too small. We have excluded people. And yet here comes Christ in a manger, 
with the oppressed, with the poor. Why? Because he loves us. Do we see God in action? Do we want to see God in action? Where he lives and works amongst the poor, where he makes a difference for people of all ages. Do we hear the promises? Do we see who this God is? I hope so, because he's a God that loves us beyond everything that we can understand. We've talked about gifts tonight, and there are neat stories about giving and gifts that people have given. But those stories will not mean anything in the long run unless we hear the story of the Christ child lying in a manger. Gerhard Frost again shares, I visited my friend today. He's 85 and travels light, a wise and wonderful man. We spoke of many things, small talk and big talk. And then he said, yes, for most of our comings and goings, maps are okay, but for the big trip, we still follow the star. Thanks to you, elder brother, wander in my wilderness, man of faith and vision. You keep Christmas or Christ in my heart. God in action. God who gives us his promises. Do we see God in action? Do we hear the promises? Do we know the Christ that loves, that welcomes you and me? So yeah, we can sing joy to the world. We can sing, O little town of Bethlehem, as long as we keep this Christ in our hearts, it brings us great joy. Otherwise, we sing a lot of songs like Jingle Bells and White Christmas, and we miss the meaning, the power, the love that God gives us in Christ Jesus. Amen. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching, or silent flocks by night, behold throughout the heavens, there shone a Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled, when low above the earth rang out the angel chorus that hailed our Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lowly manger, our humble Christ was born, and God sent us salvation. Go tell it on the mountain, 
Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. We want to wish all of you a very blessed Christmas and a Christ-filled Christmas. Uh, but I'd like us to uh, say the Lord's Prayer, and I'll give a benediction, and we'll close with a couple of songs to let you just sit back and enjoy thinking about this God who loves us all. So let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen. And Debbie, you came up with something a little interesting uh, about this uh, last song that we're going to do, right? Yeah. The new organ in the Church of St. Nicholas in Oberndorf, Austria, had broken down. It was just before Christmas in 1818, and young Father Joseph Moore was saddened at the thought of no music during the holy season. When a group of traveling actors stopped to put a nativity play on, Father Moore attended the performance. He was so inspired that later he slipped away for a quiet stroll in the foothills of the Salzburg Alps, his heart full of love for his tiny village and its people. Looking down from the hills, he saw his village as Bethlehem might have looked from the hills of Judea on that still, clear, silent night. The young priest ran home to capture his thoughts on paper. It was nearing midnight when Moore penned the carol that was to become the most popular of all the Christmas carols throughout the world. Silent night, holy night. Silent night, holy night. Oh,
listening to a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran Churches, our small town churches in Amory, Wisconsin. If you feel so moved to donate, please visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. Wild fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains, repeat the sound. Repeat the song.